Welcome to the Policy Out Loud podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Patrice, writer, political science master's graduate, and dirty martini enthusiast. This podcast is dedicated to unpacking social, political, economic, and environmental issues as they relate specifically to policy from both regional and global perspectives with the simple goal of discussing solutions and systems that put people before politics. Fair warning, sometimes the content is intense and we drop some F-bombs. Thanks for listening in and enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to part two of Policy and Economics with myself and Dr. Andrew Compton. Part two and part three are dedicated to listener questions. So in these two episodes, we talk about the minimum wage, gas prices, the Federal Reserve, and access to the internet. And these all relate to questions readers and listeners submitted, um, but they also paint a really good picture about how the economy and policy relate to one another and how we relate to the greater systems of policies that are around us in our everyday life. So Q&A is broken into two episodes because we know that roughly 45 minutes or sub 45 minute episodes are preferable to our listeners. So we hope that you also download part three, which drops at the same time that this episode drops. We've done this because we know that you're probably spending roughly 45 minutes in transit to work or spending roughly that amount of time at the gym. So it doesn't have you in like one long ongoing episode. We know that you're actually more likely to listen to the full episode if we drop it in a couple of parts. So that's why we've chosen to do that. And uh, it's going to be kind of probably the um, norm of the show. Um, Normally, if I'm going to be getting into more interviews, it's going to be, we're going to try to stick to 45 minute episodes, but Andrew and I were having just such a good conversation that I didn't want to cut it off because there was such rich and valuable information as that we kept going on. So I didn't see the point in stopping the mic when we've got such good stuff coming onto the show. Um, So before we get started with the conversational part of the pod, where I loop you back into the conversation as it's been, you know, um, connected to the previous episode, the first question I'll be answering is, are Biden's policies raising the cost of living for Americans? One of our readers wrote this in actually several, several weeks, maybe a couple of months ago, um, And they were asking this question, wondering if the political party blame game pointed at Biden is solely a party-related policy outcome, or if in fact, the responsibility need be placed elsewhere. Now, I was originally looking at doing that as a blog post, but it actually kind of fit into this multi-part episode better than developing it into one one blog post. So I'm going to go ahead and answer that here. It was a really, really great question. And I ended up, because I was looking at doing this as a blog and then realized, oh, this should have been part of the conversation that we had um, on this episode, I actually went back, took this question and submitted it to Dr. Compton um, after our conversation because I I, um, really wanted to have this answered on the show. So um, in response to that question, Andrew writes, "Um, mostly no, but some yes. So... um, mostly what we're seeing is not um, party-aligned policy outcome, um, but some of it, in fact, is. So he goes on to write, inflation is is to some extent due to the stimulus checks, but that was also a Trump-era policy. Vaccine requirements could make hiring more costly, which could result in higher prices, but those were struck down for non-government employees. Finally, the American Rescue Plan likely caused inflation. 
Basically, anytime the government spends more money, it results in higher demand and higher prices. On the flip side, though, Europe has seen 5% inflation, so it's not uniquely American. Many countries are experiencing inflation due to the pandemic. People change their behavior, and various places have opened and closed at different times, putting stress on global supply chains. This causes higher prices. Additionally, the war in Ukraine and restrictions on trade with Russia have also increased the cost of certain things um, that they were both good at. Russia is the third largest producer of oil, so of course oil is more expensive. So you're going to hear me kind of trip on that text message um, because we've been kind of going back and forth about this episode. So when I asked this question, he he gave me a pretty exhaustive answer. Um, you're hearing me trip over that because I am reading it word for word. So um, that is the answer we got. Um, I, for those of you who are listening in and who want to read more about this, I will be providing um resources and places that you can go read about this a little bit more in the show notes. So if you are, you got that answer and you're like, wait a second, I am curious. I don't agree. I want to know where this information is coming from. You can check the show notes and um, you're encouraged to go ahead and read there. You're encouraged to engage it. And you're also encouraged to find other, um, other sources of information. If, if you feel like it's not a complete subset of notes. So that's what we have for you there. Um, great question. And now that we have that answered, um, we are going to go back to the recorded conversation. Thanks for being here. And I will see you in episode three. Okay, so um, we're going to move on to listener questions. So it's going to kind of like jump off from what has been kind of a seamless conversation to like very, you know, ideas that people have sent in. So um, first question, how does increasing the minimum wage affect the economy? Yeah, so the minimum wage debate in economics is old and quite extensive. Okay. Like tens of thousands of papers written on it. Okay, lots of focus. Uh, hmm? Lots of lo- lots of energy has been put yeah, into that. Yeah, and it's gotten to the point where you can kind of tell what the outcome of the paper is going to be just right. by looking at the person who wrote it. Okay. It, 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 it's kind of pittered out okay. to some extent. Okay. We've gotten some good natural experiments in recent years. So by a natural experiment, I mean policy has changed severe, like severely enough or dramatically enough um, in isolation that we're able to observe the effects. Okay. So for instance, Seattle raised their minimum wage pretty dramatically. Right. And so we were able to get a nice natural experiment of, okay, it's not pennies on the dollar. Right. It's like actual dollars. Yeah. Increase. It was a massive jump. It went yeah. from, I think it was like seven oh something to 14 something. Yeah. 15 something. Over the course of just like three years. Yeah. So that's dramatic from an economist perspective. Right. Um, Where traditionally we've had to rely on, you know, goes up 25 cents. Right. That is potentially significant for someone if they work 40 hours a week. Right. But it's hard as an economist with the data we have to identify some causal channel. Okay. It's hard to observe the actual effect. Right. Because it becomes almost, there's a difference, but we can't say it is actually statistically significant. Okay. We'll see like a change, but it's so small that it's effectively zero. Yeah. At the end of the day. We can't actually definitively say anything. Right. 
And so there's a lot of like zero results in economics. Okay. The theory says that if we have a minimum wage and that minimum wage is below, or sorry, is above the market equilibrium for labor, okay. then workers will want to supply more labor than employers want to hire. Okay. Which means that we have a surplus of workers. Okay. And when we have a surplus of workers, we call that unemployment. Okay. So theoretically, if we increase the minimum wage, then we should have unemployment under the assumption that the minimum wage is above the market wage. So that's an important distinction mm -hmm. because if it's below the market wage, doesn't matter. Right. right. Demand for you and I probably won't be affected by a minimum wage because okay. we're making enough that right. like $7.50 is right. way below our value. Right. right. So we would expect that we would have an increase in unemployment and that's kind of the primary concern that people have. Right. Yeah. So that's definitely the main debate. Yeah. And when we look at Seattle, for instance, it's kind of a mixed bag. Uh, we do see that employers let go of their short term, shortest tenured workers. Right. So the workers who had been... They're the shortest been, amount. Yeah, they've been there the least amount. They kept their longest tenured workers. So an obvious reason for that would be that they've been around longer. They have a better idea of how things work. And they're probably more efficient at their job. Right. And those workers got paid more who stuck around. And then we also observed that fewer families have multiple workers, for mm -hmm. instance. So the issue becomes, yes, people lose their jobs, but then they might be making enough at the one job they have that they don't need that second source of income. Right. They're not working days and nights anymore. Yeah. And so we observed that on average, it didn't have that much of an effect on household income. Okay. Household income was not dramatically affected. Okay. People didn't just go jumping one socioeconomic position to a new one. They, it was relatively stable. Yeah, relatively stable. We also observed that in another concern of minimum wage laws is that consumers will pay higher prices. A lot of minimum wage jobs tend to fall in the service sector, in particular food service. Mm -hmm. And... We didn't really observe much in the way of changes in prices of food. Okay. Food pretty much stayed the same price. Why? Because consumers are very flexible in terms of where they buy their food. Okay. Right? If I have a choice between McDonald's and Burger King and Dix right. or, right. you know, like, I have a A bunch of different burger joints. Yeah. yeah. Dick's, one, for the record, is a burger joint in Seattle. He's not just throwing yeah, out yeah, fun yeah. words. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a, and it's they delicious. They pay their workers, actually, they pay their workers more than minimum wage, I believe. Yeah, I think so. So, you still have to compete yeah. in that sector. And so, we didn't actually observe them raising their prices because com competition is so strong in that sector. Okay. We couldn't observe any statistically significant effect. Right. Right. Um, so things weren't more expensive, even though that's implicitly what we expect. Okay. Now, 
we can't say that this observation is universal. We can say that at least in a city or a highly populated, like a densely populated state, perhaps, mm -hmm. that we would expect minimal outcomes. Okay. Where it becomes trickier is when we get into rural areas because a minimum wage in eastern Washington might have more purchasing power in terms of what it can buy in terms of goods and services right. than a minimum wage job in Seattle. Right. We also can't say what happens if we really go dramatic and say we increase the minimum wage to $50. Right. Then I would expect an effect. Right. And it would probably cause quite a shock to the economy. Right. Because that is a very, very dramatic change. Right. Um, the Seattle one is dramatic in the statistical sense. Like, it is significant enough that we were able to get good results. Right. Whereas, going to $50 an hour, we have no idea right. what could happen because that's never happened. Right. right? It's, that's, like, so, so, like, unheard of significant. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, as I'm kind of thinking about this, it's even, like, when we look across our country, like, very, you know, macroeconomics, um, having come from the West Coast, I took a job out in Missouri um, that uh, was in advocacy. It's a job that was like very emotional. It was a very hard job. It was a very emotionally taxing job. Um, and once I looked at what my income was, once I broke down my salary, I was making like $13 an hour, which doesn't give a person with an education much purchasing power. Um, especially when you're like paying off loans, like that doesn't make a big dent. My loan was my loan. It was how I got my education, which allowed me to work this job. But then the job didn't give me much purchasing power. While I was in this community, I got recruited for another job, went to the interview. I came to find out like in this small community, this job that wanted to recruit me couldn't compete at what was $13 an hour. Yeah. And so when we're looking even at like some of these like cross cultural conversations and like how we address these policies, it, it goes back to say like it's definitely not blanket because we're looking at what those what those communities are producing, you know, how they're how they're creating value and how that relates to money and how that relates to the transfer of money, especially when you're looking like across the country as a whole. Yeah. So there's a lot of regional variation that you have to take into consideration when you create these policies. Right. Um, and that's true of a lot of policy. Like, yeah. A lot oh, of policy. Yeah. You, you have to recognize that one dollar might go further safer housing in missouri yeah absolutely than it does in california yeah yeah california right in yeah. san francisco a dollar buys you jack diddley yeah but in missouri oh yeah buy you more for right? example like we my husband and i own our home in missouri we live on an acre and a half and it's a four bedroom three bathroom home we spent a hundred and five thousand dollars on Which it is Dirt That's cheap. dirt cheap. You could never yeah. buy a coastal home like that size, that quality at that price. You're looking yeah. at millions at that point. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's yeah, crazy when you're starting to look at those variables. Yeah. Um, so next question. Um, since we're already on prices. Since we're already on prices. Um, what is inflation? So it's kind of a three part. So I'm going to let you just kind of like talk at this like subset of questions. Um, what is inflation? What causes it? And then we got a lot of questions about like, why is the gas price so high right now? Like, why are we getting punched in the face with gas at the pumps? Yeah. So let's just start with inflation. By definition, inflation 
refers to an increase in prices. Could be an individual price. It could be a weighted measure of prices. Okay. So the inflation measures that we tend to hear about in the news, um, probably the most common one is the consumer price index. Okay. So you could actually, you can download the data and calculate it yourself if you really wanted to. Okay. Um, I have sort of played with it. Okay. I've never actually done the whole calculation, but I know how to do it. So is this something, now I just have to ask for this, like is this something that downloading this data you need to know how to use a program like Stata for, or is this something that like... It tends to be we in could play with separated values okay. in a lot of cases, Okay. Um, but it's going to be a lot easier in Stata data for Got sure. It. Okay, okay. Um, but you can download this data, and the way they do it is they survey households to find out what they spend their money on. Okay. And then they go around and they find the price of what they spent their money on for cities all over the country. Right. Rural places, urban places, etc. Right. And they calculate some weighted average of all those things they bought. Okay. So if they knew like I spend 0.3% of my income on goldfish, then it will be 0.3 times the price of one bag of goldfish. Okay. Right? And then they'll do that for everything and add it up. Yeah. And that gives them some price. Right. At the end of the day. Right. Some cost of buying something. And that, I mean, like when we like extrapolate that out to like what that looks like in our day-to-day lives, we use the example of the goldfish because it's so easy to relate to. But when we're talking about this, it's like gas, food, electricity, school supplies. It's all those things that you're like having to calculate when you're budgeting for your own lifestyle. That's the goldfish. Yeah, so a a price index is essentially asking how much would it cost me in dollars Mm -hmm. to buy the same basket of goods and services today Mm -hmm. and tomorrow. Okay. So if I wanted to maintain the same standard of living, how much money do I have to have to maintain that standard of living in perpetuity? Okay. Right. So every year, how much money do I have to have? Okay. So that's a price index. Okay. Consumer price index, they use surveys for that, that ask people what they're buying, and then they collect the prices. The Fed, the Federal Reserve, um, uses the personal consumption expenditure price index, which they usually just call core inflation. And that that one allows for the basket to change. Because smartphones didn't exist 20 years ago. Okay, right. But everyone owns one, practically. Yeah. Like, a lot of people have a smartphone. Right. So how do you account for that? So they try to account for these sorts of things and get some idea of what consumers are buying and how much it's costing them to buy things. Okay. So if that index, that cost increases, then we have inflation. If the cost decreases, we have deflation. Okay. So when we have inflation, prices are rising. In the long run, so long run in economics is very vague. In the long run, think five, ten years. Okay. Usually is where we put that cutoff. Okay. So in the long run, prices only depend on money. Okay. The quantity of money. Okay. The quantity of money is determined by partially the Fed. So, you know, 
Treasury Bank will give banks money. And then those banks can lend that money out. So you, you want to buy a home, you take out a loan. Right. That money is then still on the balance sheet of that bank. So they owe that money to someone. Right. And then you use the loan to buy the house. So your money goes to the person who sold you the house. Right. They put it in their bank as deposits. So that bank owes you that money. Right. And they loan some of it out to someone else who spends it, ends up in a third bank, fourth bank, sixth bank, on and on. Right. So new money is generated every time a bank makes a loan. Okay. So when, say, the Fed raises interest rates, what they're trying to do is make it so that banks want to lend less. They're less willing to lend, which will decrease the money supply. Decreasing the money supply will decrease prices. Okay. Right. So if interest rates are higher because banks are, so if banks are less willing to lend, think about you and I, if you want a loan. Right. The only way I would be willing to lend you the money is if you pay me a higher interest rate. Right. Because I'm just not willing to lend it. Right. So you've got to pay me more. Right. And so the interest I have to rate, really want it and you have to want to really give it. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to give it as much anymore. So you've got to pay me more. Okay. So interest rates rise, banks are lending less, and you have less money flowing around. Okay. Right? We've cut off some of those loans, ending up as deposits in other banks. Okay. Those deposits no longer happen as much. So there's less money. Okay. So you have less money, um, and if you want to buy the same quantity of goods and services, so let's see if everyone in the U.S., collectively, we have less money. We want to buy the same amount of goods and services. Yeah, we want to buy our same lifestyle. So how is that possible? Things have to become cheaper. So things become cheaper. And you're still buying the same basket of goods and services, but prices are lower. You had deflation. Okay. In the opposite direction, if we have more money... Right. Then if we're buying the same basket of goods and services, then each one of our dollars is buying less. So it's less valuable. Okay. So then we have inflation. Prices are higher. Got it. So we tend to also think about inflation as decreasing the value of a dollar. Okay. Right. So in the long run, it's just down to the amount of money. Okay. That's what it is at the end of the day. Okay. Um, so in the short run, again, in the next five, ten years, inflation can depend on more than just money. Money actually can affect the actual quantity of goods and services. Okay. In the long run, it doesn't. doesn't matter. Um, but in the short run, it can matter. So in recent times... Since the start of the pandemic, we've seen something go up in price, something go down in price, and I think we've all heard of shortages. Right. At this point. Right. Right. We had a shortage in wood. Yeah. Everyone was toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, toilet paper. Like people were doing things differently, things were more expensive because everyone wanted to remodel their home. 
Right. So wood we're all bored. More expensive. Yeah. Housing became more expensive. It had like knock-on effects. Right. Right. Um, so that's been true in a lot of industries in the U.S. Is we change our consumption behavior. Okay. And suppliers have had their own issues. So, as an example, car manufacturers. Everyone went out and bought cars right. during the pandemic right. because we didn't want to use public transportation. public transportation. At the same time, so that's going to cause prices to increase just right. because there's more Demand. people trying to buy yeah. a car. If you want to get a car, you have to pay more. At the same time, there's the chip shortage, um, which has resulted in less production, lower production volume. So it's more expensive for them to produce the same car. Right. Which means that they're going to have to sell it at a higher price right. to recoup their cost. Even if there wasn't a higher demand, but then you layer on the fact that there's a higher demand. Yeah. So supply decreases, demand increases, and if you recall from Econ 101, right. higher prices. Right. And that's happened in a lot of sectors. Right. Um, there's also the example of ketchup packets. Ketchup packets. Yes. Oh. So Enlighten me. So restaurants used to be, um, used to buy their ketchup. Yeah. I mean, now they probably don't have it, but they used yeah. to buy their ketchup in bulk. Right. And then dole it out, right? Yeah, like a pump. Yeah, a pump, and it's in a cup, and they bring it to you. Right. Right. But now we're all eating at home. Right. So we don't want a cup. We right. We just want, like, a container of some sort. Okay. But that means that the restaurants now have to buy... More of those little takeout containers for ketchup. Yep. Or they have to buy packets of ketchup. Okay. So there's more demand for those things, which causes the price to go up. But then producers of ketchup, say Hunts or yeah. um, Heinz. Yeah. Shifting over to producing ketchup packets uh -huh. is very difficult. Like, they just don't have the production line for that. Right, because they're the producers of the ketchup, not the packet. Yeah. And so the price doesn't come down. Right. Because, one, they don't want to shift over there, even though it would be profitable to do so to produce more of those. Right. It's long run. Do you want to do that? Because we're going to go back to the way things were. Right. And they're going to start buying... You know, right, it's going to go back to what we were yeah. traditionally doing. Yeah, it's the same with toilet paper. So there are producers of toilet paper for businesses and office buildings, etc. Right. That come in like a large roll. Yeah. Well, no one wants that for their home. No. But if you switch production, that costs money to do so. Right. You have to buy the right machinery to make the toilet paper that's of a small home size. Right. But then the pandemic ends and we go back to work. Right. And so then they have to pay to shift right. production again. And so they don't really do it. And so things cost more as a result. Interesting. So was there a I have to go back to this ketchup situation. Was there a shortage of ketchup in the United States? Yeah. So like 50 packets of ketchup, like, you know, those like yeah. sweetie packets. Yeah. They were running for about $10 for 50. For packets. 50. So did, did people just not have ketchup? going out and getting burgers or were they having to like pay for a side of ketchup? I haven't lived in the States during the pandemic, yeah, so I so, don't know. So I 
bought my own ketchup, right? I okay. Never yeah. To take we'll out, just so I get the bottle. I can't, can't really speak, speak to it, that. but that was an issue. But it was an additional wow. cost for businesses because I, they either had to, they had to pay for something to yeah. give people ketchup I, or they just didn't give it to them. I had never considered, you know, we looked at so many of the problems that like the last several years of life has like brought on all these second and third order effects and like. I saw the toilet paper. I saw, you know, I saw the footage of people throwing punches over toilet paper. I don't know why people didn't just, like, consider bedaying with their hose, but, like, you know, whatever. But, like, we saw all of these shortages. I didn't realize, like, this extended as far as ketchup. I mean, it makes sense, but. Yeah, and there's also the issues of, um, you know, everyone, a lot of people shifted to buying from Amazon. Or buying from, you know, buying online. Yeah. That created problems because, one, the delivery infrastructure was not prepared for it. Right. So delivery became more costly. Right. Um, and it also meant that we had to shift more towards, you know, storage facilities. Right. And delivery from those storage facilities rather than stores having a shelf with right. something on it. Right, right, right. And so that imposed cost on shifting your business model to online. Okay. That's not free. Right. You can't do that overnight. Yeah. And so that makes things more expensive as a result. Now, we also have to consider the role of money. So the Fed pursued pretty loose monetary policy. Okay. Which made, say, borrowing for a car loan or for a house cheaper. Okay. So the housing market went bonkers during the pandemic because, for instance, I bought a house right when it kicked off, and my interest rate was 3.25%. Okay. Which, compared to generates in the past, is dirt cheap. Right. Right. My parents were paying like 14% when they took out a home loan. Ouch. Yeah. Oh, ouch. Okay. I mean, yeah. in, yeah. in nominal terms. Yeah. Yeah. Not Absolutely. necessarily in real terms. Yeah. 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 Die, yeah. But still ouch. Right? Yeah. But still ouch. So... Housing became more expensive because people had an easier time getting a loan. Yeah. So they were more likely to go out and buy a home. Yeah. So housing prices skyrocketed, made people take out auto loans. Yeah. So car prices skyrocketed. Um, so you have effects like that. Uh, and they're just more money. So people can buy more stuff. Demand increases. If prices haven't adjusted yet. Yeah. In the long run, then you end up with higher prices because there's more people with money trying to buy the same quantity. Right. It's going to cost more money. Um, Then you have the stimulus checks, which boost aggregate demand. So people got money from the government. They go out and they buy stuff. Right. Um, And so that increases demand, increases prices. Even if you say save, even if you say save that money, yep, then that goes into a bank, yep, which lends it out, so people buy a house. So it's still in circulation. Yeah, it's it still doesn't there. matter what you do. Yeah, with that, money. like it shows up. In, it looks like it's in my account. It's in my account. I can access it, but like it's still in circulation. It's still helping to create this yeah. inflating system that we're looking at. Yeah. I'm actually learning quite a bit. We're um. My husband and I own a couple of homes and that's how we like make some of the passive income that allows us to do what we do. But that's one of the things where I'm like, you know, we're not always going to live in Germany 
and looking at like what it means to buy a house going back we're like holy crap we're terrified yeah, yeah. <laughs> given the I mean, market right now right? yeah i yeah. mean that that at least helps yeah good um, good lord we just wish the military would keep up with inflation but that's a whole yeah. different issue yeah. <laughs> um so other issues we have are transportation yep um so the u.s has had like a truck shortage for trucker shortage for decades really right um part of it is it's not a fun job it's just not a fun job that's hard Um, work and then in some cases they're just not paying enough and they're not training enough truckers right but we're still relying on it right as people move especially online we need more shipping infrastructure yep um we also have the issue of uh, a lot of international shipping is dependent on an intermodal system. Okay. So if you've ever seen a train and it has those big boxes stacked yeah, on yeah, top yeah. of each other, yep. those are intermodal. Okay. Then they put them on a ship. Yep. And they ship them across the ocean. Yep. So the way the pandemic started was China shut down. Yep. Which meant that there were no goods flowing to us. Okay. Or not as many, which made things more expensive because we they're our largest trade. Or... I should actually know they're they're up there. I think they're our third largest trade partner after Mexico and Canada, but they're big. They're right. a big part of our trade. Right. So we're cut off from those goods and services, so they're more expensive. Right. So we have an increase in prices. Then they open up and we shut down. Right. And now goods and services are flowing to us, but nothing flowing back to them means that all these containers are coming to the U.S. Right. And there's nothing to put in them to ship them elsewhere. Right. So in order to, say, get the container back to China so that it can move more goods to us. Right. You have to pay now double the shipping cost. Because we're sending an empty container over. Right. So things become more expensive. Um, Then you have to consider, well... There are social distancing requirements for a long time, right? which decreases how many people could be in a given space. Right. That increases cost or decreases the amount you can produce in a given time period. Right. Like if I go into a clothing store because only five people can be in there given, you know, it's space or whatever for safety purposes, now there's less people buying in that hour. So how they're, they're, it's reducing their income, meaning that they have to kind of compensate for that. With higher prices. With higher prices because they still have to keep their lights on. They still have to pay their rent. They still have to do, you know, what X, Y, and Z to be able to provide me the service of going in and, you know, maintaining some semblance of our, you know, the life that we like previously recognized that was very like played, you know, became very um, affected by the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of things just became more expensive because of this pandemic shock. Right. It, it had a dramatic effect on the economy. Now, moving forward in terms of inflation, um, the Fed minutes, so Fed minutes is um, the Federal Overmarket Committee mm-hmm. is the one that decides Fed policy. Mm-hmm. So they just announced on Tuesday that... So Tuesday, I guess what day would that be since this might be recorded oh, in the future? Yeah. Uh, we're, at, we're on what, the 24th? We're on the 24th. Of March. So at the 24th of March, so on the 22nd of March, the Fed announced that they were increasing interest rate, the federal funds rate, by 
percent right or 25 basis points and this is like perfect because we had people asking this question yeah yeah so the fed is increasing rates in order to make so so what they're effectively doing actually is they don't actually control the federal funds rate okay they just observe it so they're trying to make it so that banks don't want to lend as much and the federal funds rate is if a bank makes a loan to another bank overnight they charge each other an interest rate. Okay. And that is the federal funds rate. Okay. If banks want to lend to each other less, then in order for a bank to get a loan from another bank, mm -hmm. they have to pay more. Okay. So the interest rate increases. Okay. But that also signals that they're just less willing to lend in general. Okay. Which means that interest rates for you and I will also increase. We're gonna have to pay more in order to get a loan. And that means there's fewer transactions, loan going out, oh, so gosh. we're buying okay. less stuff. Okay. So we get deflation or lower inflation. They've also signaled that they might be more aggressive. So their next meeting is in May, so they meet eight times annually. Right. So their next meeting is in May, and they may increase it by 0.5 percentage points. Um, so they're getting quite a bit more uh, aggressive. Okay. The tricky part for the Fed, um, and the debate that we always have to have when we talk about Fed policy, is what their goal is. What is the policy goal? Right. And they have, we sometimes refer to it as the dual mandate. The dual mandate says that the Fed goal is to create stable prices, so keep inflation steady and low and stable and steady unemployment. So they tr usually like to have low unemployment and low prices. Okay. Unfortunately, those two things work in opposite direction. Okay. So usually we have this idea of the Phillips curve. If you have high prices, you have low unemployment. If you have low prices, you have high unemployment. Okay. Um, so if you think about it, That's why the if more people are working, more people are earning income, more people are buying stuff, so prices increase. Right, and that's why the hiring market is so good right now. Ye yes, yes. Okay. Um, part of it. Part of it. Um, there, there, there's a complex relationship. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, not as causal I've, as you're. Implying, yeah, I've but, watered it down quite yeah. a bit, but so they've currently accepted that the unemployment, so the, the labor market looks good. Okay. Them. So because it looks good to them, they're willing now to tackle inflation. Okay. Because typically during a pandemic, or sorry, uh, any form of recession. Okay. So anytime the market is, or the economy is doing poorly. Right. They target low unemployment. They try to increase output, which increases employment to make workers' lives easier. Okay. That could come with inflation. But they're willing to make that trade-off okay. to help workers. When workers are doing well, then the concern becomes that prices are rising too fast, so we should target low inflation. Right, so it swings back and forth. Yeah, they, they're constantly swinging between the two. Yeah, to try to find some semblance of a balance. Yeah, so when things are going well, target inflation. Things are going poor, target unemployment. So they've made the, the call that unemployment looks good, where it's at. Swing the other direction. Swing the other direction. Um, and prices have been rising pretty rapidly. 
Right. So they're getting really serious about it. Right. And usually if the Fed says something, they mean it. Right. That's how it's been for the last 56 years. Yeah. Like if they say we're going to really thinking about raising it by 0.5% in May. Right. They're probably going to raise it by 0.5% in May. Right. So you should probably expect that um, increase coming. And what does that mean for our listeners? What does that mean for me as an individual? You are going to pay more to borrow. Okay. In nominal terms. Okay. So by nominal, I mean in terms of dollars. Okay. So your interest rate will be higher. Okay. On a loan. Okay. Um, if you own stock, you will probably see your stock value go down. Okay. If you own bonds, say you own treasury securities. Right. Then those will probably increase in value. Okay. As people switch between the two. Okay. So there's going to be a switch in portfolios. Okay. Okay. So if you have like a 401k, depending on the composition of your 401k, it could go up or down. Okay. If you're a young worker... It probably won't grow as fast this year. If you're an older worker, it may grow faster this year than yeah, last year. Because of what, however your portfolio is designed. Yeah, usually older workers have more bonds. Younger workers have more stock. Right. And then we switch over the course of our life. So we're probably going to see them try and tackle that. Okay. However, a lot of the problems that we're observing can't really be fixed by the Fed. Okay. The Fed can tackle inflation. Yep. But it comes with a trade-off in that it's going to decrease employment. Okay. And there's a question of whether or not we're going to enter... Like, there's been questions about whether we're experiencing, like, quote-unquote, stagflation. I don't think that's what we're experiencing. Okay. Um, But it is tricky because a lot of these problems are caused by the pandemic. Right. And until those end... And until some of those other... Some of these things are just going to be more expensive. Right. Right. We, we're, we're not really going to be able to solve the problem of higher prices for cars right. by decreasing the money supply. It's right. not going to happen. Right. Right. Because um, it's, it's created by that sort of like third option. There is like a fundamental problem. Right. That is not related to money. Right. Right. You cannot solve that... By just adjusting the money. Yeah. It, it doesn't work. Right. Um, so that's been the debate they've been having for a year now. Okay. You've probably seen it in the news, like, should we be fighting inflation? Yeah. And the debate they've had is like, well... That's not really the problem. Yeah, not the problem. We, we can. If yeah. we think we're in a good enough place, we could at least decrease prices play with it a little bit but but long term it's not going to solve the problem yeah long term that's not the source of the issue we're solving yeah 